Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried the Burnout Podcast with Kate Donovan. Fried the Burnout Podcast. Hey, Fried fam. This Straight from Kate episode is a result of the question that I see all the time in Fried's Facebook group, which is people looking for guidance on how they should start their burnout recovery. And it is really nearly impossible to give a really good, solid, straight answer to the question of how you in particular, you who's listening right now, how you should start your burnout recovery, because your burnout and your recovery are as unique as you are. There are definitely some connecting factors that have been mentioned in previous episodes. One of them is titled The Three Core Components to Burnout Recovery. Another one is titled How Do I Start Burnout Recovery? And as much as I stand by those episodes and the information that they give you, I also know that you might need to start with something that's off those lists entirely. And making the choice of where you should start and what you should do and what actions you should take and what actions you shouldn't take is a complicated process. So I wrote this episode like two or three times because the first time I wrote it, I thought, okay, well, I'll give them, you know, five steps that they can start with really simple things to get them going. And then I wrote it again and I said, well, I'll summarize the other two episodes that I've already done into a more concise version of those two things. And that didn't feel right either. And then I started again and I thought, what if there was a game board and there was like a step-by-step process? What would that look like? Which everyone in the coaching business wants you to have a framework. And Sarah and I have created together a framework for a group program, which is working incredibly well. Sarah is now using that framework more or less for her one-on-one coaching, which I think is fabulous. So there's some sort of pathway to go down. And yet still, where you begin and what's important for you and your recovery is still different for every single person. Now, this is not an uncomfortable thing for me because in Chinese medicine, Everybody that comes in, even if they have the same symptom, their diagnosis is different and their treatment plan is different. So I've never been stuck on this idea that there's going to be like a certain way that's going to work for everyone. There's just not going to be a certain way that that works for everyone. So I kept writing this episode over and over again. I wrote a bunch of things about sleep. I wrote a bunch of things about hydration. I wrote a bunch of things about judgment, self-judgment and self-abandonment and Just none of it was sticking. I couldn't get myself to the point where I was actually recording it until I stopped today. And I thought, okay, well, if I was working with someone one-on-one, how would, how do we actually go through the process of deciding what to start with? And that brought me around to this place where, you know, you get there by asking good questions, by asking what a previous guest, Diane Wingert, calls powerful questions. Coaching is a tool that is based on the use of really great questions that lead the answerer to insight that they may have not had before, shift in perspective, insight, whatever it is that's needed. So today, I'm going to ask you some questions 
that I want you to use as journal prompts. So if you are in the car or you're walking or you're somewhere where you don't have access to paper, that's fine. After each question, I just want you to hit pause and give yourself a few minutes to sort of start thinking through how you might answer this question if you were writing on paper. And if you have the opportunity today, I would ask you to either print out this um, sheet. You can get it. You can download it on my website. The link is in the show notes. Or write down these questions as I ask them in a notebook and start answering them. You will have to, well, you don't have to, you can do it any way you want, but you can do one at a time and pause them and then continue the episode and get to the next question. Or you can listen the whole way through, write down all the questions and then sit down and do it afterwards. I do have an ask for how you answer these questions when you get to the writing portion. I don't care if you're typing or if you're writing. I want you to use something that's called the proprioceptive prompt. And this is by a woman named Linda Trichter Metcalf, who wrote a book called Proprioceptive Writing, which was something that I've written about in my blog before many years ago. This was something that was a really important part of my own burnout recovery that I forget about sometimes because I don't use it much anymore, except for the fact that I actually do use it all the time without really thinking about it. I use it as a coach and I also use it when I'm writing podcast episodes. Proprioceptive writing has some interesting components that I don't need you to get into, listening to Baroque music, absolutely writing by hand, uh, lighting a candle, setting a timer, all of that. I don't need you to do any of that, but I do want you to use this particular formula that Linda teaches for being able to dig a little bit deeper into the answers that you're creating to the prompts that you're going to get. And this is what the proprioceptive prompt looks like. As you write something down, you're going to ask yourself to clarify what you mean by writing. And yes, like actually writing out every single time the full sentence. And when I say X, what I mean is, and then continue along and dig deeper and dig deeper so that you're getting to a point where you're not talking in like big sentences that don't actually mean anything. I'm going to break this down for you before we get to the questions. When you're doing this in practice, it looks like I am, you you might say something like, I am so damn angry at everyone all the time. And then you'd continue. And when I say everyone, who or what I mean is, so that we can start to get really specific about who's really bothering you, who's getting under your skin, and what relationships might need a boundary, right? So you're going to be using this extension of a sentence in order to dig a little bit deeper and find out what you really mean. Because what I find is when we're talking about burnout, because things feel so big and so overwhelming, we tend to and you tend to speak in big sentences that don't necessarily mean everything. I'm just so damn angry at everyone. I don't have any where to go with that for you. I'm not going to tell you to not be angry because you're probably angry for good reason. I need to know what anger means to you, who you're angry with, what you're angry about, and then we can start to create a plan. So you see, the more clarity you get by digging in with this question, the easier it will be for you to notice what you might want to do in order to start your burnout recovery. 
you might also see a sentence or like be writing and say, everything is just so hard and I don't know what to do. When I say everything, what I mean is dot, dot, dot. I'm really struggling to sit down at my desk and focus. I can't seem to get up in the morning. I can't, right? So if I don't know what everything means, I don't even know what hard means. When I say hard, what I mean is, right? So this formula allows you to take any question that you can find anywhere that anyone can ask you, use it as a journal prompt, and then allow yourself to dig and dig and dig and dig and dig until you get to something that is useful. All right. I hope that that makes sense. If you have questions, come into the Facebook group. I'll try and sort it out with you. In those examples, I used the words everyone and everything for something that you could explore further, but you could also explore the emotion further, angry. You could explore what hard means. You can really explore anything that you say that someone else wouldn't be able to just automatically guess exactly what you mean. The other reason that this is a good practice is because the burnt out amongst us, have a tendency to hide their true feelings and or not be able to express themselves well. So if you actually find out what it is you mean by I'm stressed, when I say I'm stressed, what I really mean is dot, 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 then you might be able to, you might find that you're able to have better conversations in your relationships with your loved ones and with your coworkers because you're talking about something specific that actually might have a solution instead of an overarching theme or idea. All right, are you ready for the questions now? There's 10 of them. You don't have to use them all. If it gets to be too much, you can stop whenever you want. The first really powerful question I want you to ask yourself because it's so highly related to burnout is, where does my life feel unfair to me? Where am I losing out, right? Where do I feel like there's a lack of justice or a lack of fairness? I'm giving more than I'm getting. feels like other people are winning and I'm not. Where does my life feel unfair to me? You might start that by following it up with, when I say unfair, what I mean is, and then continue on answering the question. So if you're doing this and you are walking or you want to stop because you're writing, this is a good place to hit the pause button. You can do that after every single question. Question number two. What am I using energy on that I know is fruitless but makes me feel valuable or righteous or morally correct or superior. So this question is about the things that you're doing to make yourself feel worthy that don't really help anyone or anything, even though you might think that they should help someone or something, but they don't because people aren't asking for them or people aren't responding to them or people aren't thanking you for them. So what am I using energy on or where am I using energy that I know is fruitless but makes me feel valuable or righteous or worthy or morally correct or superior? That's question number two. 
Question number three. This is going to be, even when I wrote it, I had to stop and think for a second. Running a business online and being a public persona, people make a lot of assumptions about where you are financially (laughs) uh, that are often incorrect. So the next question is, do my earnings feel adequate for my effort, for my knowledge, for my job? Do my earnings feel adequate to me? Pride fam, I tell you in nearly every episode that step one of your burnout recovery is blood work. And I know that a lot of you avoid it because it's a pain and because your doctor has told you that everything is quote unquote fine. And they refuse to test all the things that you think you need. What if I told you that you could test what you want, when you want, from your home with just a couple of drops of blood? Cyfox Health allows you to do just that. You can buy tests as one-offs or join a membership. Either way, you can test and track your results to help you make decisions about your burnout recovery journey. Get 10% off any membership, subscription, or one-time test kit right now. Go to cyfoxhealth.com forward slash fried for your discount. That's S-I-P-H-O-X health.com forward slash fried. Question number four. How comfortable am I asking for help in a clear, direct, and concise manner? This means that you're not hinting at what you want or need. There's no passive-aggressive behavior trying to convince someone to notice what you want or need. There's no assumptions. There's just clear, direct speech. Asking someone for something straight out while still being able to be polite and kind and not thorny, right? Am I able to, with ease and comfort, ask for help and support? Question number five. Who am I most mad at? Who feels like a burden right now? That's one question. Who am I most mad at? And who feels like a burden? Question number six. What am I most mad at? And what feels like a burden right now? So this is an extension of number five. These are who or what feels like a burden to me. This was an important one for me during my own recovery because one of the things that felt like a burden to me was friendships. And what what I learned when I started actually being honest about that, because you're not supposed to say that friendships are burdenful, right? You're not supposed to say that children feel like a burden. You're, everything's supposed to be lovely and ha-ha all the time. When I did this, what I realized was I had started most of my friendships and most of my relationships with myself in the role as the helper. And after a couple of years, when people still wanted and needed things from me, I was tired and annoyed and resentful. So those relationships felt like a burden to me because I didn't enter those relationships with the intent of it being equal. 
I enter those relationships with the intent of always winning by being the one that's more useful, more helpful, shows up more, does more, etc. This is not healthy and not good. And what it allowed me to do once I realized that was eliminate a sense of blame toward other people for me feeling a certain way. And I didn't blame myself at that point either because I was, thankfully, I was in therapy and coaching. So I had some space to work around it. I knew that I did that for a particular reason. I knew I was trying to protect myself. It didn't work, but it had worked in the past. So I tried to repeat it, right? So that's questions five and six. Where's the anger and where's the burden? Question seven. This is a little imagination question, a little voyage. If I were able to disappear for a month, the thing that I would be most glad to be away from would be dot, dot, dot. I want you to imagine that you're able to go away for a full month. Nobody knows where you are. No one can contact you. Everybody's healthy. Nothing happens while you're gone. Nothing piles up. What is the thing that you would be most glad to be away from? What is the thing that would that being away from would bring the most relief? Question number eight. This one was hard for me, too, because my initial answer was nothing. I would never. It wasn't true. Question number eight is, what have I held myself back from having, doing, or being? This was a tough one. And this has, this is really often very tied into where you're feeling your identity lies at any particular moment, especially if you spent a lot of time and money on schooling that you are trying to make a decision about whether or not you're going to use anymore or whether you're trying to make a decision to leave a career that you've been in for 20 years and have focused all of your attention on and now you're going to become a coach or become a writer or start weaving baskets. I don't know, anything that's not lawyer, doctor, career HR person, whatever the heck. What have I held myself back from having or doing or being? What are you not allowing yourself to have, to do, or to be? This question can be really deep because this might go even further into your identity if you happen to identify as a queer person, or if you grew up in a family that doesn't accept the fact that you would prefer to be with a same-sex partner or, right? So this, this question, if you get hung up on it and you're not able to answer it and you have a therapist, that might be a good place to discuss this in, with a little more support, right? Question number nine. If I could sleep for a month while getting a vitamin IV drip, and eliminating all of my responsibilities, and everything was getting done, I didn't need to participate in life at all. When I woke up like Sleeping Beauty after a month and can do anything I wanted that day, this is what I would do. So what I'm asking you to explore is 
a sense of complete lack of responsibility. I know this is not realistic. I'm not asking for it to be. A sense of complete lack of responsibility, a sense of complete lack of worth, lack of worth, any of it. Just there, nothing matters except for the fact that everything is taken care of and you can do anything you want. And you've just slept and had vitamin infusions for a month. So you have the energy and the space to do it. What What is it? What is the thing? What would you do that day? And then we come to question number 10. And question number 10 is where we get into the action. As you go through these questions, there's going to be times where you're like, oh, that's something that I could maybe shift. Oh, here's something that I maybe actually have control over that I could make a change in. Oh, here's something that keeps repeating in all of my answers there seems to be a pattern that I need to pay attention to. But what I want you to search for in your previous nine answers in, your, in what you've already written down is this, question number 10. As I review the answers to the questions above, the easiest place I can see to make a change is dot, dot, dot. If you see a pattern that is impossible to shift, please don't start there because you're just setting yourself up for more burnout. Deciding to choose the easiest thing to change is the start of your burnout recovery. Allowing yourself to go the easy way, allowing yourself to choose the thing that you can impact, make a change, and have some sort of result from it in short time without a lot of effort. This is not only good because it actually helps your burnout recovery, it actually helps you gain some energy, but it's also the right choice because this is how you relearn how to live your life. This is very meta. The beginning of your burnout recovery is learning a tool that keeps you away from burnout. Learning to allow yourself to choose the easy route that still makes an impact is a burnout recovery skill. So the great thing about this list of questions is that you can use them anytime you want over and over again. Oftentimes, you'll answer some questions the same way over and over again, and that's how you'll find out what the where you should start, where you should make a change. Sometimes you'll find that you've made those changes, and now there's another layer of stuff underneath there that you couldn't even see before. Great, let's dig deeper. But always, 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 always go with the easiest place to make a change first and then the next easiest second. There will be some things on this list that you cannot change. Leave them. We're not going to change things that we can't change. We're also not going to focus on the things we can't change. There's also going to be some things on this list that you have convinced yourself, probably incorrectly, that you can't make a change. A change is not allowable. You can leave those for now too. Those are changes that are possible, but not from this point where you are right now. You'll need more energy and more support to make that change. So if it feels impossible, cross it off the list for now. You probably 
have a good reason for holding yourself back from some of those changes. So if something feels really unsafe, don't do it, right? We're going for the easiest place to make an impact and see a shift. If you find that you're going through this list and you're like, I should not be doing this alone, then it is time for a therapist or a coach. If you need to go backwards and dig into your history and why things are the way they are, it's time to get a therapist. I've used BetterHelp in the past when I was in a position where I couldn't really afford normal therapy, and it was super useful for me. I had to go through two different therapists before I found one that I really jived with, but it was worth it. And or if you're saying, okay, I get it, I know where this comes from, but I'm stuck and I need help moving forward, then that's when you hire me or Sarah. This is what we know how to do. This is what we do best. I do a three-month program that just gets you out of the muck. Sarah does a more sort of rounded out six-month program that's a little more structured, that has some Chinese medicine tied into it that gives you a little more guidance. So they're just two different ways of doing things, and you probably already know which way would be better for you just by listening to that. So we trust you on that. When you've done one and made a shift, and you've done two and made a shift, go to three and go to four and go to five. If you get to five and you think there's nothing else on this list for me to do right now, they're either too big or unchangeable or immovable, do the questions again. I promise you there's more stuff in there. So instead of trying to find this external path that some guru, I'm not a guru, by the way, I'm just a very regular person, but trying to follow some like path that someone else created for you is the opposite of what you need in burnout recovery. You need to be able to figure out and dig into yourself enough and get to know yourself enough to be able to make decisions that are based on your particular needs. These questions will help you do that. And I promise that if you do this over and over, eventually you will feel that you have created the space and energy and clarity for yourself that you need to then be able to make bigger shifts. So I hope that this was helpful. There is a, um, a link in the show notes to a PDF version of these questions. If you don't want to write them down and you want to have them in an easier format, that version will be fill-inable if you want to write online or you can print it out and write directly on the page. All right, Fred fam, I hope that that was useful for you. Do some digging. Let us know what you come up with. See you soon. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more Got each other on our side Plus all the folks at Fried The Burnout Podcast With Kate Donovan